Today's episode of the Gold Cast is sponsored by the Arizona Office of Tourism. Uh, every Monday episode from now through February is sponsored by the Arizona Office of Tourism, and we will be talking more about them in the middle of the show. But Raymond, before we get started, why don't you let them know where can they find us? You can like us on Facebook.com slash the Goldcast, and you can also follow us on Twitter at the underscore Goldcast. And be sure to subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Stitcher, all under the same moniker of the Goldcast. Like, subscribe, and comment because we certainly like to hear from you and interact from you. And this is one of the biggest episodes ever that we certainly want to hear from you. Yeah, I would definitely say this is 100% one of the biggest Goldcast episodes of all time. Uh, Raymond, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter at Ray Solis and Instagram at Ray Solis 1. And I'm on Instagram at Rudy Solis 3 and Twitter at Rudy Solis 3 RD, Rudy Solis 3rd. And then our special guest, one of our favorite friends that we made this season, Johnny Dell is on the show. Johnny, why don't you let them know where can they find you? They can find me on Twitter at Johnny Dell's FA, as in Football Academy. That's Johnny Dell with no H in the Johnny. And on YouTube at Johnny Dell's Football Academy. Yeah. All right, gents. We are here to discuss um, a couple games. I'm not sure. Championship weekend. Uh huh. Championship weekend. I'm not sure if you guys uh, know this, but but uh, but the 49ers uh, are going to the Super Bowl. This is happening. Yeah, they they did some good things on Sunday. They did. Just a few. The the Chiefs are also headed to the Super Bowl in what uh, an unstoppable object is meeting an immovable force, and I can't think of a better one. We're going to flip it today for Niner Faithful. We're going to start with the Chiefs and Titans first, and then we're going to go into the Niners. We're going to save the best for last today. So here we go. Uh, Championship Sunday. This is our recap episode. Your professor of fanalism, he's in the building. The greatest fanalist in the game is in the building. The best breakdown of coaches tape, the master himself, Johnny Dell, he's in the building. Classes in session. Let's go. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Solis III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Solis I, baby. And our esteemed guest host. Johnny Dell. Yeah, Johnny. Welcome back, bud. Welcome back. Well, thanks for having me. Man, it is so awesome. We're so excited that you can share Championship Sunday with us. Raymond had the open call out, and Johnny accepted, and here we are, the trifecta, two of my favorite people in the world to talk football with, and uh, what a Sunday it was. Wow, man, so much to talk about. As I mentioned, we are going to start with the Chiefs and Titans. We are going to start with that one. This was a game, it was pretty competitive, in the beginning, and as uh, as we suspected, the Chiefs ended up pulling away. I was actually very surprised at how many people thought 
the Titans were going to win. There was a lot of people that did, and I just didn't think this team had the offensive firepower. You know, they have the lead in the first quarter. It's 10-7. Then they throw up another seven points. Casey manages to put 14. It's 21-17. No scores in the third quarter, which made it nice and interesting for the fourth. But then they Mahomes did Patrick Mahomes things. He was fantastic as usual. That run in to the end zone, that run he did very Steve Young-ish and really was probably the most exciting play of the game. And this, we're really seeing Patrick Mahomes come into his own and will this team two weeks in a row to victory. He looks unstoppable. It really does look like he now, not only do I think he is probably the best quarterback in the NFL now, he believes he is. And that's really what was impressive. I thought Tennessee played a strong game. Derrick Henry, not surprisingly, was held to uh, 19, uh, 69 yards, 19 carries. And it didn't really surprise me. I just thought those numbers were really going to be hard to sustain for that many games, that many weeks in a row. I'm sure his body is an absolute wreck at this point. And uh, he, the Chiefs, win in convincing fashion, especially that fourth quarter. They just really ran away with it. Um, Johnny, I want to start with you first as as our guest host. What were your thoughts on the game? What did you think what did you think about with the Chiefs and Titans? Well, at first I thought I was going to be right and then I turned out to be wrong. I will admit I was pegging the Titans to beat the Chiefs. I really thought that uh, they were going to have a ground and pound that would hold, keep Mahomes on the sideline, but I was wrong. So <laughs> that was my first thought as it got <laughs> into the game. Uh, the second one was I was a little surprised because more the way the Chiefs completely disrespected the Titans' passing game. They sold out for the run, and they said, we are going to make Tannehill complete some passes to his wide receivers, and they could not do that consistently through the game. The biggest problem was that when Henry was on the field, he was not a receiving threat. There was really only four receiving options for Tennessee whenever Henry was in the game, and so if he if it wasn't a run, they would just lock down the receivers. And it it ended up causing problems for Tennessee to sustain offense throughout the game without Tannehill making some big time throws, and he just couldn't do it in some places. Yeah, no, absolutely. I thought it was a a brilliantly executed game game plan by Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs. Raymond, what were your thoughts on this game? Uh, I believe you and I both picked the Chiefs, and hey, don't uh, don't feel bad. Uh, Johnny, because lots of people picked the Titans, and I, I understood it. I again, like we said, I just thought that the Chiefs had too much offensive firepower. They're 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 too fast, too strong. They, and and Patrick Mahomes, he looked like a, lots of shades of Russell Wilson the last two weeks in a row. Where uh, if there is nothing for him, I mean, he will he will he will he will extend plays. He will extend drives by getting those first downs. And that again, that touchdown pass, that touchdown run was so impressive. And my favorite play by by the Chiefs. Um, that was definitely the best play of the AFC Championship game, Raymond. But what were your thoughts about this game? What did you see uh, from the Titans and Chiefs? 
I thought in the beginning, I thought it was kind of smart of Vrabel to open with play action pass because you know the expectation for Derrick Henry to get the ball is like in 95% probability. So the fact that his opening series script was play action and passing, I think caught the Chiefs off guard. And they got, you know, they got that big explosive from 81 and they couldn't punch it in on that opening drive. And then there was also that weird pass once they got into the red zone and then Tannehill threw that weird fade to nobody. And there was like only a chief (laughs) in the end zone. That was a weird, that was a really weird play. But, you know, that that sequence I thought was kind of, I thought, oh, uh, you know, because I expected there to be some, Rabel's done some really smart things in this postseason that have really caught opponents off guard. And he's also done some obvious things that, opponents just weren't able to stop and but I didn't think that they had enough momentum to carry that into this game I know that it was easy to see that and how can you fault the logic because Tennessee had beat the two better running defenses going into this game and now they were facing the weakest defensive rushing team of the playoff teams in the AFC. So you're like, oh man. And and they beat them earlier in the season during the regular season. And a lot of that was predicated on Derrick Henry's success on the ground game. But that didn't really happen. I mean, he did get, I, I thought Derrick Henry was established well in the first half, but once they fell behind, Vrabel just completely abandoned the run. You know, they, they put up the first 10 points. They, the, the opening series ended in the field goal. Then they got the touchdown. And then they went up 17-7, and then boom, the KC comes back. There was that big first touchdown with Tariq Hill, and then Mahomes started doing Mahomes things. And then, but for Mahomes to finish this the first half with that amazing run with the spin at the end, so there's two things that happened on that play. Mahomes was tight roping the yeah. sideline very well, and then again Tennessee was even with quarterbacks, you cannot use you know you cannot tackle high which is what they did for some reason the two guys that had a shot at him like the first guy went really high and quarterbacks these days even quarterbacks of old you just can't get away with tackling somebody high that's where all their strength is you know that's where all the core is so trying to tackle Mahomes high is just this I don't know what that player was thinking on that play but uh, that's really what led to the spin into the end zone and uh, at least you know if you tackle smart, you might be able to get a first and goal and you got a shot because Casey's not a great running team. You know, they've been very inconsistent all year long. Basically, ever since they lost Hunt, they have kind of haven't been the same and their backs have kind of been banged up, up and down all season long. But Andy Reid does not care if he has to abandon the run and just, I mean, Patrick Mahomes was their best rushing weapon today. He rushed for, or, or I should say yesterday. He rushed for 53 yards on eight carries. Damian Williams didn't even put up that mark. And he had 17 carries on that day. So, and then the second half, really just the third quarter, you're thinking, all right, this is 21-17. This is a close game. But unless Tennessee gets the lead back, because if if they don't get the lead back, they're going to be forced to try to win this through Tannehill, which is going to seal the win for Kansas City. And that's exactly what happened. KC got the lead at the at the end of the first half, and then they extended the lead and went up by two possessions. And I was like, "Oh, this is over." And then you know, when when Tennessee scored that late touchdown, all the time had had been depleted, 
um, Derrick Henry only had three carries in the second half. So this, you know, they did exactly what they needed to do, you know, and they didn't necessarily stop Derrick Henry, but they got enough offense to put pressure on Tennessee to abandon the run and start throwing the football. And that wasn't going to work. You had to, you had to lean on Derrick Henry, but they were only, I felt like Vrabel's game plan, at least the, the, the inference that I got was that he was going to do that with the lead, but without the lead, he was going to have to lean on Tannehill more. But I thought you should probably mix it up a little bit. There was, I think there was enough time in there to do that. I don't think Derrick Henry should have just gotten three carries, but you know, it's, Water under the bridge now. If you're well, and it's fan. also, you know, it's also, it's, it's uh, it's like Mike Tyson says, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth, and that's that's basically what happened. Which I and I first of all, for the Tennessee Titans, you know, if uh, you're if you're if you're a part of the clash of the podcast cast, what 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 a, what a tight <laughs> clash. Clash of the Titans, yeah. yeah. The Derrick Henry cast, the, the Tana cast, Tannehill cast. I don't know the Vrabel cast. I don't know what you. I don't know what Titan. The, they're they're both free agents <laughs> next year, so they're not even they're not even long term options right now. I'm, I'm sure, sure they'll they get will signed, too. But, but like, you you can't possibly be disappointed with this season. And if anything, uh, the if you're a Chiefs fan, you have to love the Titans because they basically eliminated every possible team that was capable of beating the Chiefs. That I think could have done a much better job of handling the Chiefs. The thing that really impressed me the most about the Chiefs this entire run is they finally conquered the demons of playoffs past. And that collapse against Houston was just the most classic Chiefs thing of all time. I cannot think of anything more Chiefs than that moment. And Patrick Mahomes refused to be denied. And then again, in this game, it's still really close. It's really close. And Tennessee's in the lead again after the first quarter. And Patrick Mahomes, I I genuinely believe if he's not the quarterback, Andy Reid folds and he takes his toys and he goes back home. Because I just, I just, he's never given me any reason to believe that he's he is capable of breaking out of his own mental collapse, and I really think it was Patrick Mahomes's energy, Patrick Mahomes's aggressiveness that really made it made this run for them. It's the reason that they're that they're where they are right now. He willed them to victory two weeks in a row, which made me a little nervous uh, because they look so good. Um, Johnny, I want to pass this back to you. I want to talk about Kansas City's defense. So Kansas City, here is a team that all year, you know, their defense, at least in the first half of the season, I will say, really was really lacking and has been lacking for several years, which is interesting because when Andy Reid first got to the Chiefs, their defense was so dominant. And uh, it's really flipped, but it does, it really does feel like as the second half of the season wore on, and now that we're in, in the playoffs and now we're at the Super Bowl, the Chiefs' defense has really come alive and really come a long way. What did you see? And then more importantly, where do you? how do you feel this defense for you lines up uh, against the Niners? Well, I'll, I'll kind of piggyback off of uh, what Raymond was saying that uh, – 
one thing I noticed in both this last game with the Titans and in the previous game with the Texans, they both got out early and they were both doing some nice things. And then it was like they both got scared of losing and stop and mm-hmm. stopped trying to play keep away. They they felt like they had to keep their foot 100 percent on the gas because they were so scared of Mahomes. The defenses and head coaches were scared of what Mahomes and the the entire Chiefs offense can do, and they they let it affect them even with the lead. That's what's kind of surprising to me, because you know here the Titans have Derrick Henry. They were still in the game. They but they went away from him. Why? Because they were scared that they couldn't stop Mahomes. So they felt they had to keep passing. They had to turn it into a shootout. You try and turn it into a shootout with the Chiefs, you're not going to win. You look at the teams that it's been close with the Chiefs, they don't turn it into a shootout. But, uh, you know, same thing happened with the Texans. They're up, and their coach goes for it on fourth down at his own 30-yard line. Like, that's insane. (laughs) That's insane. You know, you're going – you should be – at this point, it's about reducing the amount of of possessions for the other team – I get that you're trying to do that with fourth down, but make them drive an extra four minutes. That's a drive for them. So, you know, I I don't get that part. So all that what that goes into is I think that helps that has helped Kansas City's defense. Look at their defense. They matched up really well with the Titans as far as this game, because if you look at the, the interior of their line, they got a couple big honking guys and then their linebackers are big. Their linebackers are bigger guys, and so they were able to several times not have to completely, you know, like do a lot of run blitzes or anything, and they were able to hold up enough to clog up the lanes enough to get in and and get Henry's legs. I mean, he was still able to make some yards. The bigger thing was once Tennessee went to the pass, they they couldn't do anything. That's when you're you're letting – Suggs loose you're letting Frank Clark loose you're letting Tyron Matthew take away anything in the middle and you know it's just it, it becomes a long day so with with Kansas City you one you have to have confidence in your defense and your defense has to have confidence because if you look at that that Mahomes run the first linebacker that tries to tackle him go heading towards the sideline he tries to strip the ball. That's what he he you see him. He swings at the ball. He's making a swing at the ball. Why? Because he feels like they're they're being driven on, and he's got to make a play. And so Mahomes runs down. Another guy tries to go for the strip. Another guy tries to go for the strip, and he go gets into the end zone. It's like get the guy on the freaking ground. You're but they're playing scared because they're so scared that they're going to give up a score. They give up a score. And then it's just this like self-fulfilling prophecy thing. And so one, we have a defense that has a ton of swagger. And so I think that changes the way that they're going to play Kansas City compared to the last seven teams that have played them. You know, you look at the teams that they had at the end of the regular season. It doesn't get much easier than what they did. Tackling technique is night and day between these these defenses. Uh, It was just every decision made on that Mahomes run by Tennessee was horrible. It was awful, you know. And because I'm I'm, that's not to take away anything from Mahomes. I'm you know I was watching the play. I was like, wow, that you know they did remind me of Steve Young against the Vikings. You know that play we've seen over and over and over again. But you, I also was like, 
somebody get him on the ground, like quick trying to strip the ball. Like, <laughs> you know, it was, but right. you can you see on, on the Niners, sorry to interrupt, but you notice on the Niners, it's always a, uh, the first, the first person always goes for the tackle. Mm-hmm. And then Fred Warner or somebody comes in while they're being slowed down and goes for the strip. Yeah. And then goes for the punch as some someone's already got the legs wrapped. Their progress is about to be stopped. And just before, like, you know, the, the whistle or the play rules dead, somebody comes in and tries to go for that big play. Warner's done that several times this year, and he's to, to some to, to some success and sometimes not. But, you know, Tennessee on that play, I don't know what they were just they're trying to go for the big play. And it just yeah, didn't work it, out. And they're not known for that. They're not, no. not if they've been doing that all season. That'd be one thing. But that, that wasn't their discipline. That wasn't this team's identity. No. And so, but anyways, going back to Kansas City's defense, what I saw was uh, would bode well for 49ers fans because um, their defense reminded me a lot of Green Bay's. It was Green Bay had had a, a stout guy in the middle, Kenny Clark. Uh, we weren't running it between the guards, you know, we attacked the edges. We attacked Preston Smith and and Zadarius Smith over and over and over again. And I see the same thing with Kansas City. Uh, Suggs is not who he used to be. Frank Clark is not a great edge defender. And those are going to be the edge guys when they're in base, uh, which is what we run a ton of and ran a ton of against Green Bay. And so, you know, that's going to put a lot of stress in the way that Kansas City plays their defense to either stop that with seven guys in the box, which they like to do in base, um, which should open up the run game, or you're going to have one-on-ones with Sanders and Debo Samuel. And against corners that I think have been guys who've taken made the most of their opportunities when they presented it themselves, but they aren't necessarily top flight cover guys. So I think this is we're gonna see a very similar game plan. There'll probably be more throwing going on because of the mismatch we'll have with Kansas City's linebackers on use check and uh, Mostert or Coleman or Brita out of the backfield. I think they're gonna put Matthew on Kittle and try and take him away with Matthew. And so I see a lot of use check, a lot of Mostert, a lot of Coleman in the passing game uh, and, and looking for that to open up the run game. I love it. Guys, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. This is the Gold Cast. Today's episode of the Gold Cast is sponsored by the Arizona Office of Tourism. Hey, 49ers faithful, guess what? There is only one game left. But that is okay because it means that baseball is just around the corner. This spring, you can follow the San Francisco Giants, the Oakland A's, or your favorite baseball team to Arizona for Cactus League spring training. Arizona offers a -a one-of-a-kind spring training experience. 10 stadiums, 15 MLB teams, 75-degree temperatures. All 10 stadiums are in the greater Phoenix area within 50 miles. You can meet the players and get autographs before games. Maybe you can meet Madison Bumgarner and tell him to rip up his contract and come back to the Giants. Arizona is known for its incredible landscapes and thrilling outdoor adventures. Hit the road and explore Arizona's urban centers. It's ghost towns 
artsy communities, and quirky outposts. Hiking, biking, jeep tours, hot air balloons, skydiving, jet skiing, or just taking in a sunset. No matter what you love to do, AZ has you covered. Plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. That site, one more time, is visitarizona.com slash spring training. And let them know that the gold cast sent you. This is, it is the gold cast. All right. Now, Raymond, what did you see from the Chiefs defense? And let me ask you a different question. Can this Chiefs defense, how well do you think, how well do you feel that they match up against the San Francisco 49ers? I know we're moving a little bit away from the Titans, but uh, I think this is a little more important, and I think this is what our listeners would rather hear. I don't think they match up well. Uh, I don't think they match up well at all. I think the Chiefs offense is a better matchup for our defense. You know, they pose the same threat. I'd say the closest comparison in the NFC is probably the Saints in terms of passing. And, you know, the Saints are kind of lopsided too, where I think they rely more on their their passing game versus their running game. Kamara took, once Ingram left the, went to the Ravens and Kamara took over all of the running duties, their running game just wasn't the same. The one-two punch of Mark Ingram and Kamara was much more difficult for teams versus just focusing on Kamara, you know, the the dual threat of Kamara's skill set. So, but I would compare that to the Saints, but even then, you know, the Chiefs are really are really a different kind of beast. They they also do a lot of pre-snap motion. They Patrick Mahomes is the best long ball thrower in the NFL. He also protects the football better. He, he's kind of like a Dan Marino. He's like a, you know, a revolutionized version of Dan Marino, the way he's come into the league and and the way he's, he passes the ball. But, I mean, to back to your original question, I think defensively, no. I think defensively are, again, I've said this several times throughout the course of the season, we have a state-of-the-art rushing attack with multiple backs that have multiple skill sets that can also catch and there's an inside zone game. There's an outside zone game. There was the pitch that has we've seen often go to Debo Samuel. And you saw the play that happened this time where it looks like Debo Samuel's going to get it. And it turns out he's just a lead blocker. And then Raheem Mostert ran in for the touchdown on that one play. So there's, And then they, they did a mirror version of that same play going the other way. There's just so many different ways and looks that we have where it's like you're not like it's different when you're reading eye formation against Derrick Henry versus what looks like, you know, some short pass play or looks like it might be a toss sweep one way and then goes in reverse the other way. And then, you know, use check pulls or the guard pulls from, from the right side and pulls, pulls back left or vice versa. There's just so many moving parts in our running game that it's just the chiefs defense is going to, you know, they, the matchup doesn't look good, you know, so far. I mean, whether they are able to do something about it on game day is obviously a, another conversation that we'll have, you know, next week. But as far as, you know, the early preview goes, you know, this is not a great matchup. Ooh, I love it. There's too much nuance. There's too much nuance in our offense. I mean, Andy Reid is the an older version of, of that version that Kyle Shanahan is doing now. Kyle Shanahan is doing a much 
more complicated version of that. That's just that's just specifically designed to confuse the shit out of defenses, and it's worked all season long. You know, to be honest, it's it's. I feel like it's actually worked for the better part of the last three years. We just didn't have a defense that could protect the lead in the prior two years, and um, we still we didn't quite have enough weaponry uh, on the offensive side to uh, continue. To, to keep those leads in a lot of the games that we lost. So I guess, gentlemen, I think it's time. Let's move to the main event. Let's move to the reason everybody is here on the Goldcast. <laughs> Drum roll. <laughs> exactly, Johnny. Exactly. This is it. So they called us pretenders, I believe, was the word that was used all season long they said that the 49ers were only good because their schedule was so weak they said that after week eight once we after week 10 once we faced the seahawks and then went through that murder's row of uh new orleans and uh, green bay baltimore new orleans we would get exposed and we would uh, end up most likely probably losing the NFC West, maybe getting the second the second seed, uh, the second uh, position in, in the NFC West and maybe coming in as a fifth or a sixth seed that uh, Seattle would probably take, take the number one seed. And that loss to them was proof that we weren't really on the upper echelons of this, uh, of the league. They questioned Jimmy G., all season long, still getting questions. Questioned because all he did was hand off the ball, which is all he needed to do yesterday, despite the fact that when he played, when we when we when it calls for him to air the ball out as we, as he did against New Orleans, he's absolutely phenomenal. They they said this all season long. We would be out in the first round. We would not be able to get past the six seeded Minnesota Vikings. And then followed that up by saying, "This is Aaron Rodgers' time. He, him, him, and him alone will will take the 49ers or the the Green Bay Packers onto the Super Bowl. His big return." They said, uh, "I remember Mike Florio saying in the big moment, Aaron Rodgers will be ready, and Jimmy G will be quote pissing down his leg." Was the exact phrase I heard from. Mike Florio, and I like Mike Florio. Uh, I, I think he's a little bit of a Niner hater. I think he's a little bitter because because uh, of how um, definitively we defeated his Minnesota Vikings. But I heard that phrase this week, pissing down his leg. I remember somewhere around week four or five, Raymond, on the gold cast, I started posing a question. I said, why not us? I remember looking through the first four or five weeks and I said, on this gold cast, I said, we have veteran leadership. And by veteran leadership, I mean someone who has played in either a, ch- a champion- on a championship Sunday or a Super Bowl. And we had somebody at every position at that point except wide receiver. Staley for the O-line. D. Ford for the defensive line. Richard J- Sherman for the secondary. Um, Tevin Coleman for the running backs, Jimmy G for quarterback, even though he didn't play, he was at those games. And that's a huge thing to at least understand and know what the process of Super Bowl weekend is like and seeing quarterbacks win at the championship level. He was there. Kyle Shanahan, Robert Sala, 
all of these people have either been to Championship Sunday or to Super Bowls and have won Super Bowls, even lost some Super Bowls. We had we had guys that had been there, that knew what it took, that have gone all the way around the sun and come back and accept wide receiver. And then we got Emmanuel Sanders, and that was the final cog in the machine. And this team, I remember saying, why not us? Why can't we do it? Why can't we do what Philadelphia did a couple years ago? Bottom, bottom team in the NFC East, bottom team in the NFC East, and then they turn around and win a Super Bowl the next year. Why not us? Why not us? Why not the 49ers this year? We see it happen all the time. Why not us? And we were saying that through the middle of the season, and then this thing just steamrolled into something far beyond, I think, what any of us would have could have really truly imagined what we all hoped for what we all knew Kyle Shannon was capable of but we just hadn't seen it yet and John Lynch over the last couple of years and I always say his secret weapon Adam Peters uh the that they're they're one of their VPs down there in in the scouting office they really really put together a phenomenal team that took two and a half years to build it took a long time to build this team no, I mean, not that long when you think about it in the grand scheme of things, but for 49ers fans, that's a that's a long time. They put together this team that can beat you so many ways, that has the fastest, most dangerous defense I have seen in years. In fact, the last defense I saw this good was the San Francisco 49ers defense uh, of the Harbaugh days. But this team is so much more dynamic, so much better than that 2012 team, so much better. Jed York really stepped away and gave this team every opportunity it can to win. I've been a Jed York defender from the beginning. Harbaugh, as I've said many times, wrote his punched his own ticket out of San Francisco. You can't insult your bosses and expect to stay. Trent Baalke also punched his ticket out. Jed York, you know, stumbled with a couple uh, coaches. Many owners do. Many young new owners do, but really hit it out of the park when with Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. And like Bill Walsh, in his third year, he is now in the Super Bowl with a chance to get us our sixth ring. We had to go through the Packers. I talked about it being Aaron Rodgers' last stand. They kind of fell backwards into the second seed. And it was uh, I didn't really believe that they were going to have enough, but I was nervous. I was definitely nervous. I believed. I said it was an old school sore. I said 28. 821, right, right? Is that what I said? Something. I think you said, I thought you said 31-21. I, I said 35-17. Yeah, yeah, there you go. And then, Johnny, what was your prediction? I think I had 28-10, 49ers. Yeah, there you go. This game started off tight for one quarter. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was 0-7. Yeah, um, I did think Jimmy G was six of eight for seventy-seven yards, like a, a like a nineteen seventies game. In fact, uh, Terry Bradshaw at the end said he remember he only had to throw throw for eleven passes in one of his Super Bowls. And I thought, well, Terry Bradshaw, that's also why I know as angry as you get, this is why no one ever considers you in the top great quarterbacks because you only threw eleven passes in a Super Bowl once. Um, but uh, it's seven zero at the end of the first quarter. And then the 49ers break the floodgates open 
and Raheem Mostert. I mean, what can we say that already hasn't been said? 29 carries, 220 yards, four touchdowns. If you had him in fantasy that day, my goodness, did you? would you have mopped up? Uh, 20, it goes 21-27 zip at the end of the second quarter. Uh, at my bar, every Packers fan checked out at the end of the second quarter. There was not a single Packers fan left in my bar. It was nothing but Niners and some Vikings fans who were rooting against the Packers, which was also fantastic. (laughs) But literally every Packers fan checked out, closed their tabs, and walked out of the bar at the end of the second quarter. And you know what? I feel like the Green Bay Packers did too. (laughs) They also checked out and walked out of the stadium. They, They put up a little fight. In at the end of the third, they they you know they drop seven and then they drop another thirteen points in the fourth and at that point it's thirty four seven with a little under five minutes to go thirty I'm sorry thirty four fourteen thirty four twenty and I'm starting to get nervous I'm starting to get a little nervous because I'm thinking this is more than enough time for Aaron Rodgers to drop fourteen more points and if anyone can do it it's Aaron Rodgers. 49ers put up three more points, the only points they scored in the quarter to hit seven to hit 37. And now Green Bay's down by 17 points, and there's only two and a half minutes left. And at this point, I just it just doesn't seem like there's enough time. And the 49ers defense was overwhelming. Uh caused caused Aaron Rodgers to fumble twice, which the Niners recovered one. Two interceptions. Richard Sherman gives up the big bomb that uh, that opens up and allows Green Bay for that first touchdown. But then Sherman comes back and ends the game with the game dagger, his fourth postseason interception. Absolutely phenomenal. He was on the on the field afterwards, uh, crying and uh, knees on the ground. And I thought. The last time I saw this man in a, fo- a Super Bowl, I wanted to rip his heart out. And now he's wearing our uniform, and I couldn't be happier for him. <laughs> <laughs> Temple of Doom totally, style. <laughs> totally Temple of Doom style. I wanted a Temple of Doom, Doom him, 100%. And the, you had the pro season, the, the, pro, the, 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 the awards. They hand the trophy to Mike. Mike tries to hand it to Jed, and Jed says, no, give it to Kyle first. And that was... A phenomenal, incredible moment. Our last Super Bowl, Mike Shanahan was the coordinator. He was all smiles uh, through many shots in the game. It really felt like a passing of the torch to see one of the greatest offensive coordinators we've ever had hand the trophy to his son, the, the greatest play caller in the game today. And to see you had Kittle wearing the Jimmy G, uh, Jimmy G half naked t shirt running around the stadium. You had Raheem Mostert uh, there. You had lots of tears. Shanahan was teared up. Lynch was teared up. Lynch was calling out the faithful. The faithful was so rabid and screaming so loud. It was great to see football back. The 49ers win in convincing fashion, 37-20, to to punch their ticket in their 16th NFC Championship, the most appearances by any team ever because we are always one win away from the Super Bowl. To, to come back, <laughs> our fourth appearance in 10 years, our second Super Bowl in 10 years, and now 
We are back, gentlemen. Seventh NFC Championship win out of 16. That is damn good, if you ask me. That is damn, damn good. Very good. And uh, we're here. And now the Niners have an opportunity to finally close the gap and get back to the big boy table. We are now one game away from hopefully finishing the quest for six. So I've talked enough. I've set it up. I want you guys to knock it down. Johnny, I want to start with you. What are your thoughts, favorite plays? I mean, anything you want to talk about on what was one of the happiest sporting days of the three of us, all of our lives, easily one of the happiest days. What did, what did you think? What did you see? Oh man. I mean, it felt so sweet because of this season. I mean, it's not just 2012 felt like that team was supposed to go like it was from what they'd done the year before and the, the, the way everything was, it, it just felt like that team, it would have been a shame if they did. You would have felt so uh, let down and almost like, what is going on? This team from all seat, from the beginning of the season, nobody picked them. They were the sexy pick the year before when Jimmy went down. They were the sexy pick then to go to the playoffs. This year, everyone was like, well, you know, they were a bad team last year. And we were, you know. Barring injury. Yeah, I mean, it was like if everybody stays healthy, they might squeak in at 9-7 and if the the division or conference is really weak, you know. And early in the year, people are going, well, you know, yeah, they they beat some bad teams. But what did we hear during the first eight games was – well, yeah, but you can't win in the playoffs like this. You know, their quarterback's only throwing for 150 yards. You you can't win in the playoffs like that. They're going to be one and done. You can't just try and run. The, their defenses are too good. They're going to stop the run. They're going to make your quarterback throw it. And I don't think they can do it. And then we get into the second half of the season, and we're throwing it around, and we're keeping pace with other teams and beating great teams. But our defense is running a lot more points. Well, we had a lot of injuries. And people are going, well, you know, this game's going to – you're seeing these games are going to come down to if it's got to be on Jimmy to to make the plays. That's what we've heard all season is people doubting him even though he was rising to the occasion every time. But it was always a reason why we were not still the team to beat in the playoffs. And it was always this is why when they get in the playoffs, they're probably going to be one and done. And then we get in and play the Vikings and bully the Vikings. We were the the bully showed up. The defense was healthy, and guess what? We could win like we did when our defense was healthy in the playoffs. And the, but then what was the narrative? Oh, Kirk Cousins went Cousins. He laid an egg. This is why. I mean, I went I went onto the Vikings Reddit and. Wow, you went deep in enemy territory. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't commenting. I was a, I was a uh, spectator of the carnage because they, I mean, they were like people were in there saying, "Let Cousins walk this year, fire Mike Zimmer, fire everybody." I mean, it was just like full on meltdown mode in Skull Country, and so you know, and, and that was the the narrative in the media. That we beat a Vikings team that wasn't ready for the playoffs, and then and it's you know and now we're just going to face the great Aaron Rodgers who the 49ers didn't draft and you know yeah they blew my last time but this is not going to be the same. But the bully showed up again 
and took Aaron Rodgers' lunch money and his dinner money and his <laughs> his weekend party money. He, they took everything. They took his scotch money that he was that he was wanting to spend from the previous game. <laughs> they took everything from him. And our quarterback throws for fewer yards, and we still win. And by a bigger, we put up more points. Like it's insane. And the media was like, the the meat. We have been the team that they don't want us to be in the Super Bowl. Because they sit there and we don't have that guy that they can drool over and they can sell all their merchandise and they can put on State Farm commercials and they can do whatever with, you know, all year long. It was about the Patriots, the Ravens, the Chiefs. That's what we heard. And, you know, the Packers were in there. Saints were in there because they have that guy. You know, there's a that guy on those teams. We were winning by team team efforts, and even on either side of the ball, there wasn't that guy on the running games humming. But we didn't have that guy. We had three guys. You know, we have a passing game that's going pretty well. We have Kittle, but he's still not that guy. He's not going for sixteen, excuse me, sixteen hundred yards like some big time receivers. We have a defense, but we don't have that guy on the defense because the defense is complete. So. We're this. We're just a complete team, and they're looking at us like, well, that's not really sexy, but we've pummeled everybody, and we pummeled the 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 Packers. It was it was brutal. You could see the Packers defense was just at one point going, what can we do? Because they we were throwing everything at them in the run game, and they couldn't stop any of it, and it was just like. Everything Shanahan does, it all looks the same. But in any running play, you could, you have to defend every blade of grass. The field's 160 feet wide, and you're trying to get 11 guys to cover 160 feet wide of grass, and they have no idea pre-snap, post-snap where the ball is going sometimes. And it's just, it's incredible to watch. Just the way that the, they've tied everything in. It's, it's like. Kyle Shanahan is today's Bill Walsh as far as the run game. You know, Bill Walsh was extremely innovative in the passing game and everything tied in together and it was timing based and you it was just when it was when it was on, it was not stoppable. And that's the way this run game feels. It feels like he has looked at the NFL and said, The NFL's gone to a passing league. We can do this in the run game. And it's just said it has set everything up that it all ties in together. And, you know, as fans, we sometimes see like the screen to Mostert early in the game. It goes for negative four yards. You know, you go, God, why does he get get cute like that? Well, those plays set up everything else because then they can run a, a jet sweep with Debo Samuel, fake that screen. And he's running off, you know, for 20 yards is that. Yeah, well, when they stop that, that's going to open up something else. They cannot stop everything in our run game. You know, so it was it was just so fun to watch. And then just the the execution on defense, the swagger of the defense. You know, they believe they can stop anybody. They play with no fear. It reminds me of when we saw the video of Richard Sherman, his first year with us in training camp. He lines up across a marquee scooter and gets burned, you know, it just in one on ones. And it's going it's all over social media. 
But Shanahan put that up in front of the team and said, this is the way we want our team to play defense with no fear. And yeah, he got burned on one play, but they played with no fear of Aaron Rodgers the whole game. And they stuffed him. I think that's going to be so key going forward against Kansas City. You have to play them with no fear. Because once you start getting fear in your eyes, then you start getting out of your rush lanes. You start playing undisciplined. And you're playing into their strengths. And so, you know, I I love this team. I love what they did. And it is awesome to see them as a bully. And not in a way like the Mike Singletary, we're going to be physical with an F. You know, this is... We're going to be physical and we're going to punch you in the mouth, but you're not going to know where the punch is coming from. And that's what I love. I love that. Absolutely. 100%. Raymond, your thoughts on this game. What did you see? I mean, and, and uh, same thing. Floor is yours. Uh, completely give up the mic. Where, what, do you, what do you see? What did you feel? Where are you at now? Well, it was more or less what I expected. I just thought that this was just a really bad matchup. When you looked, when you looked at the trenches, when you looked at the the linebackers and the second level and the third level, when you looked at receivers and running back, just Green Bay was just outmatched at every single position, with the exception of probably quarterback, just because Rodgers has been there and he's done that before and he's accomplished. And this is Jimmy G's first season. That's the only one. That was the only category where you said, "Hey, Green Bay has an advantage here because they have somebody who's been there." and has faced this fire before and is used to it and has showed up in big games and is a future Hall of Famer. And But, you know, football's not, you know, 10 plus 1. It's 11 guys that it takes to get it done. And this is one of the better supporting casts that Rodgers has had since he won his Super Bowl. And, you know, if you're a Green Bay fan, I think you got to feel pretty good about the pieces that are in place because, you know, I'd say you're about a handful of players away from, you know, being much more better than you were this year because, you know, it's it was 13-3, and three, and that's great. Second seed, almost got the one seed, but it was, you know, 13-3 and three, but winning a lot of one-possession games. And I think, that, I think that says a lot for the defense, but, you know, I'm just not sure, you know, there just wasn't, you know, there's Green Bay just didn't strike fear in me, and I think a lot of people that evaluated this game, unless they were a complete 49er hater. But to me, Green Bay didn't strike me as a team that was, you know, ferocious against teams. They didn't have, you know, they weren't they weren't blowing opponents out. They weren't, you know, I know Aaron Jones led the league in rushing touchdowns this year, but he wasn't a the, the most explosive back. But he's certainly one of the better backs that they've had in recent times because he's a dual threat running back. And I think you got to get Jamal Williams more involved if you want to, you know, keep keep defenses guessing a little bit more than what we saw. But anyways, that's for the Cheddar cast. If you want to hear more, the Monterey Jack cast. There's a few of them. There's a Swiss cheese cast. There's a there's a Gruyere cast. There's a blue blue cheese cast there's a whole bunch of them that they're they're not they're not in a good mood this week but i mean there was that opening series where they deferred to get the ball back in the second half they did exactly what we typically do when we win the coin toss and then on that third and one tevin coleman got stuffed and then right after that they march down they lose you know we stuffed their drive and then we come right back there's like maybe nine minutes there's play action and then jimmy starts off with uh Debo Samuel off the 11-yard line. He gets a big throw. 
then at our own like 32, Jimmy throws a deep pass, the deepest pass he would throw all day to again Debo Samuel, who almost broke one but lost his balance as he got into Packard territory. And then there was the big third and eight run by Raheem Moster off of that second possession where he just blazed past everybody into the end zone for the first score. And to me, when I saw that drive, I was like, all right, today's going to be more or less what I saw. And the only difference is that they're going to close the gap and not lose, you know, they're not going to only put up one score in the game. But the way things were going in that first half, when it, especially when it got to 27 to nothing, I was like, ooh, this looks like it could be worse. You know, Bosa had that big sack on the ensuing possession on the third and seven that forced the, that put him in fourth down, and we got the big punt. You know, in in the first half, it was just the running game was just on par. Special teams was great. Richie James Jr. had that big run in the first quarter. I think there was like two minutes left, and he went down the sideline and gave us great field position. And and there was a there was like almost no penalties. You know, uh, Jimmy G had the the big scare. I know he did late in the first quarter where Packers got a personal foul for roughing the passer, and it was on the same knee that he that looked the terrifying. You can see him grimace as it gets tucked underneath the offensive right? lineman. Oh, terrifying. My gosh. And and then you know, I'm sure he was sore and had it checked out by medical staff. I'm sure that was definitely Dude, the case uh, my, today. My cheeks are sore from gripping the seat after that. <laughs> oh, I yeah. bet. I bet it was, I mean, it looked bad. It looked like it was about to tear and that look on his face. I mean, that is how you tear an ACL that right there, that exact hit. That's exactly how you do that. And it looked bad. I don't like seeing that play. It gives me nightmares. Yeah. And you know, that was actually the only time that they would sack Jimmy Garoppolo the whole game. That was the, or not, that wasn't that play. It was the one, it was actually the play after that, where he rolled out to his right. Um, because his first read wasn't open. And instead of throwing the ball away, which is what he should have done, he held on to it and ended up getting caught from behind. And he knew it. He knew it. That's that one, you know, there's there's like a couple of things that Jimmy needs to clean up. One of them is reading the defenses a little bit better so that he's not giving up those, you know, almost a pick a game um, stat. And then the other one is just holding on to the ball too long because he's 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 in the mindset of wanting to make that play downfield and he's and which is a great mindset to have but you also got to be smart when the play's not there and not try to force it or try to you know try to run it out jimmy doesn't have the lateral movement like a mahomes or a jackson or a russell wilson to keep plays alive with his feet as well as those guys do that's not to say that he can't do it it's just there's times when uh, he doesn't quite have the same speed to outrun some of these uh, some of the guys in those positions and he's taken some sacks because of, as a result so things again that need to be cleaned up but i mean on that same series what more can you say about the golden foot robbie gold with the 54 yard attempt that was just absolute nails i thought that was an awesome kick uh robbie gold is completely locked in i just love how everyone is completely locked in it's just i mean that uh, even on that ensuing possession after that field goal, there was the second and four. And then Emmanuel Mosley, who got the start over Witherspoon, had that huge tackle for a loss behind the line of scrimmage on Jamal Williams. 
there was just everybody was contributing on defense to to make plays. Trey Greenlaw had that big tackle uh, for a loss too. There was the strip sack at the top of the second quarter. We didn't get the ball, but again, a very reminiscent of the first matchup in Week 12, where we're just kind of smothering Rodgers. And Rodgers, he didn't quite have the dumbfoundedness where where he's like, "Oh my God, this is going to be a long game." But I couldn't see it in his face, but I could see it in his body, where he's just like, "Damn, I, you know." I feel like the same thing is starting to happen again. Here we go. You know, and then there was the big first and 10 where they do a toss over to Mostert uh, on the right side and we're on our own 40 and then he gets that big first down and then it's just off to the races after that. Raheem Mostert, you know, has a Derrick Henry-esque day. He actually put up more yards than Derrick Henry did in each of those three games. And then I think my favorite play of the first half was that second touchdown run where I believe it was, yeah, we were in the red zone. It was, and then it was second and five and you have Debo Samuel motion motioning, which usually results in him getting a direct snap or it's, it's one of those reverse plays of one of those, what do they call those? Um, Johnny, what do they call those plays? Uh, the jet sweep that uh, Debo gets oftentimes, but then it goes straight to Mostert this time. And then Debo ends up being the lead uh, blocker on that play. I thought that was terrific, a terrific play call. It was so awesome. And then the second half, you know, I know they Green Bay started to finally get into it after that. And you're thinking, uh-oh. And then Joe Buck with his atrocious play calling is like, oh my God, they're getting back into the game. I was like, really? They're down by like four scores. What are you talking about here? Or they're down by three scores. You know, come on. This is this is far and away. Tell me when it's one possession, then you can say back in it. But at that same time, I knew that once they scored their third touchdown, that Kyle Shanahan was going to have to mix up his next series, and he was going to have to get back get get back to incorporating the pass into the game into the the offense, and not just throw Mostert at him because they were starting to figure that out because it was a little too one-dimensional, too predictable, and you can't give someone like Rodgers a chance to get back into a game. Although I think Russell Wilson is much more better in those situations than Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers in his prime, yes, but uh, which is more or less where Russell Wilson is right now. And Russell Wilson's really, to me, the most the guy that I would be most worried about in a comeback situation because I think he's one of the He's, he's the best at it. I think he was the best at it this whole season. And he was definitely somebody that you wouldn't want to, tar- to start to mount a comeback with that team because everyone just kind of rallies behind him. Rodgers, this team, they don't quite have that yet. It's a new system. They're still acclimating to it. Aaron Jones, you know, is a young player. He's still new to the fold. They only had Devontae Adams. They just really don't have any receiving threats on that team. But after that, what happened? We saw the pass game come back into the offense, and we saw them move down the field and start to, and, and then spread the score away to pull away for the big win. Well, it wasn't a big score. It was, uh, it was, that was our field goal to put us up to 37. But, I mean, that, that would, to me was like, all right, now we're 37 to 20. We're, we're getting back to it. And then, you know, Emmanuel Mosley had the big pick. And then Sherman with the big sealer. I, I thought it was like, ah, that's really a big desperation. And I thought, I was like, you know, Sherman's going to give away that big 60-yarder to uh, Devontae Adams in the fourth quarter when it was 34-13 to 13 at that point. And then I thought, mm, I was like, this is, uh, Sherman's not going to let, not going to forget that one. So hopefully he comes back with a big, big pass deflection or, you know, better yet, you know, a big, 
a big uh, a big turnover, which is what we got to seal the win. That was so satisfying to see because he had gotten a pick in the last game too. So back-to-back games with picks. Emmanuel Mosley getting the start over Witherspoon I thought was also great. I expect him to start in the Super Bowl. I just think he plays, he's playing the way Witherspoon Witherspoon played in the first three weeks before he got injured, where he takes great angles, he reads the quarterback well, he plays tight coverage, and he doesn't make a lot of mistakes where he's either giving up the explosive play or giving up the penalty that essentially is the equivalent of an explosive play in terms of yards gained. So I want to see, definitely see more of that. And uh, this, it was exactly what I wanted out of an NFC championship game. I wanted a dominant performance. We've dominated the postseason because no one in the NFC is as balanced and as sophisticated as our defense and offensive systems. And you got to feel really good about our chances going into the Super Bowl as a result. You really do. Uh, I want to go through some of the predictions. We've all had a chance to hit our shots. So let's talk about what some of our friends of the Goldcast said. Of course, as you know, Andy Laird opened last week's uh, episode with his prediction of 27-24 in favor of the 49ers. Our boy, Niner by Nature 88, without question, the best the best handle. You, Niner by Nature, that's so dope. He predicted he predicted 24-20, tighten up. Hey, Johnny, see, you weren't the only one. NFC Championship. <laughs> NFC Championship, Green Bay versus 49ers. He said the tale of the tape shows facts and stats do not lie. We are clearly the most talented team left in the playoffs. LaFleur can seek help from Sean McVay and Aaron Rodgers, can seek counseling from Brett Favre, but it's not going to change the fact they both have to face their nightmare in this legendary defense. The Packers just don't the Packers just don't have enough on offense or defense to compete with us. I got the Niners advancing to the Super Bowl by a thumping 31-20 Niners. Got the got the Green Bay score right. Andy Laird also said AFC Championship. He also believed the Titans were going to win 37-31 to face the 49ers in the Super Bowl. Uh, uh, Niner by nature was also very impressed that we had uh, UK fans. He actually, this is not a prediction, but he said, UK fans, wow, doesn't that make us an empire since it's bigger than a nation? That's a really good point, Niner by nature. You're probably right. Saying that, uh, he also said Titans beat the Chiefs, and uh, he, uh, and that was it. Then our boy John Niner with the best, uh, he's got that Michael Myers, which we love so much. 31-17, Niners, yeah. Close. Everyone came in really good, really close with their predictions. He's like, we need to damn dominate. Then Steven Saunders, 34-19, very close. Really close, Yeah, really close. Yeah, and so those those are the predictions that were laid out for us. Very, very fun. And uh, if you want to contribute, you can always head over to youtube.com slash the gold cast and you can send over your your predictions. We love hearing the predictions and we love talking about them on the show. Uh, 49ers Twitter, gentlemen, was blown up. Hilarious memes, funny memes, bashing memes, Packers. You know, I got to think if you're a Packers fan, just how pissed are you? Aaron Rodgers has not been able to defeat a good 49ers team for 10 straight years. And once again, he has lost multiple times in a single season to the 49ers. I mean, this is the team that he wanted to get drafted for. He famously loves to discuss being snubbed by them. I always say somewhere out there, there's an alternate universe where 
Alex Smith was drafted by the Packers and Aaron Rodgers was drafted by the Niners. And we're talking about uh, how foolish the 49ers were to have passed on the great Alex Smith and instead got the uh, Aaron Rodgers, who, while has a decent arm, is now you know playing for the Washington professional football team and Alex Smith has a Super Bowl out there somewhere because of the great infrastructure of the Green Bay Packers. I believe that that would be that's the alternate universe had we I don't even think I don't even know if Aaron Rodgers would still be in the league had we drafted him at the time that we did. Um I just think the the infrastructure for the Niners was just that poor at the time. I don't think we could have done anything with him. I think he would have struggled and I don't think he would have the same career at least not not the accolades maybe maybe some pro bowl appearances but certainly not the hall of fame we wouldn't have a championship that's for sure he he wouldn't have a championship yeah yeah he should be thanking the 49ers that he didn't have to play under jim hostler exactly exactly that's what i was saying in 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 the sliding doors alternate universe of him getting drafted we're talking about the great alex smith and what a career he's had with green bay uh and so I, I got to imagine how frustrated they must be. So frustrated with this scenario, the the Niners looked so dominant, and I, I can't help it. I can't help it. I I want to talk about this now, and we're probably going to talk about it on and on and on for two weeks straight. So we might as well get the conversation going because we have two weeks to wait. I was pretty nervous after the game, after seeing the the performance that the Chiefs put up pretty nervous and our esteemed unofficial member of the gold cast, our father Rudy Solis Jr. also said he was a little nervous as well about the game about playing the Chiefs because they're just so damn good but today when I woke up I thought about it more and am I the only one that feels now hey Best QB in the league, I, 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 I'll give that to Mahomes. I, I think that's true. I don't think that's hyperbolic to say. You're not wrong. Best wide receivers in the league, fastest wide receivers in the league, probably. Probably. They are fast. They are so fast. It's insane. But this team feels really one-dimensional. It really feels like that's... They're kind of like the Dolphins when Dan Marino came into I the was league. Just, that's kind of what I they're like. High flying. I was about to say that. I said to Dad, I said... You know, this team reminds me kind of of the 49ers high-flying offense in 94 when we won the Super Bowl. He goes, nope, nope, that's not who this team is. I go, who are they? He goes, this team, the closest thing to them is the Dan Marino Dolphins that we face in 84. Very similar team. Super high-flying, super dynamic. Marino was unstoppable. These wide receivers were unstoppable. Right. Young gun with a crazy yes, arm. Yes, exactly. And they – and. Dan Marino was the best long ball thrower at that time. Matt Patrick Mahomes is easily the best long ball thrower this season that we have in this era right now. The big difference, though, is Patrick Mahomes doesn't give up the ball. That's the huge difference. He like almost ne- he hasn't thrown a single pick this postseason. No, and no, he has not given a pick. Haven't given up a pick this season. Dad's our unofficial member, Rudy Solis Jr. He said the same thing. This team reminded him of the Miami Dolphins, and that was the season we went 15-1, and one of the most dominant 49er seasons of all time. And what made the difference? The defense. And every time the number one offense goes against the number one defense, and we're, we're, by the end we weren't ranked the number one defense, 
and they weren't ranked the number one offense. But every time, the higher-ranked defense wins. Defense wins championships. And everyone keeps saying, well, it's a new league. It's a new era. Last season, same thing again. Time and time again. Defense wins championships. And, Johnny, I'm going to put you on the spot with this one. It just feels like to me, watching both teams, and both teams are, I mean, you know, hey, they're saying the Chiefs are one-dimensional, but they're the greatest at that one dimension. And it doesn't matter if you know what they're going to do because it's almost impossible to stop them. But it feels like it just, just looking at these two teams, the 49ers are just a far more complete team. There's just so much more. We have so many weapons on every phase of the ball, all three phases. We are just, we're unstoppable on all three phases. And it, and it looks to me like the Chiefs, they have Mahomes and they have those wide receivers. And have a have a, a really good offensive line, and that's about it. That's about it. And everything. I think the Niners check off every other box. So tell me, now that you're sitting here, you've had a day to think about it. I'm sure you've thought about this all day. How do you feel? How do you feel when you hear that? Do you feel that that the 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 Chiefs are a much more one dimensional team? They open as the Vegas favorites, which I love. I don't want the Niners to be favorites at any point in the next two weeks. I want them. I want everyone to say that the 49ers are going to lose to the Chiefs. I can't think of any better motivation. Where do you stand on that? Where do you, if you size these two teams up, tail of the tape, where, where, where do we line up? Are we the most complete team left in football? Do we have a more well rounded team? Is that, is, is, is that all the Chiefs need? Or might we see? A repeat of 49ers Dolphins from 84. I do not fear them. Um, you know, the the Chiefs are dynamic. They have a ton of weapons. Uh, their guys do a lot of damage after the catch. But I, it was the start of this morning. I was getting on, I went on Game Pass and I was refreshing like every hour trying to see if the coach's film was up for the championship game. And isn't so i'm a little irritated but to kill time i was i started going back and watching the film of the chiefs just watching you know and what do i see and i see that mahomes is human he makes some incredible th- plays he, he's got a really live arm but he's still human he misses open receivers he he'll bail out of the pocket when he doesn't have to he's not comfortable in the pocket you know, he's not a rhythm thrower He's, I mean, he that, that that doesn't sound like he's as good as he is, but he's not unstoppable. He is human. He's able to be stopped. This offense is able to be stopped, and they have not played a passing defense other than the Patriots that is quite wow. as good as ours. And even then, the Patriots were not as good as ours was. You know, you look at the the season numbers. And it, really, our numbers went. We were on a historic pace before D. Ford got hurt and Quan Alexander got hurt and K. One Williams missed some time and Jaquaski Tart went down. You know, we were on a historic pace, the lowest passing total since 1983. They're about to run into a defense that is more confident and more talented, more capable than anything they've seen all season against their strength. So, you know, this is a matchup that really, if any team in the NFL could slow down their passing offense, we are that team. And even then when the when they 
faced the Patriots, who were still a very good pass defense. The Patriots struggled to get anything going offensively, and they still held Kansas City to 23 points. Do you think Shanahan's offense is going to be held to less than 23 points versus that Chiefs defense? Do you think Not our de- do you Not think our all. do you think our defense is worse than the Patriots' pass defense? I no. don't think so. No. So just think about that. I think it's better than the Patriots, even though the Patriots exactly. statistically were were better than us. I mean, they were better in 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 some areas, but as far as to me, pass defense when when you look at when we have our horses, it's not even close. You know, when when you got D Ford up there and you got Quan Alexander running on K1 Williams is playing and healthy and Tarts back there, man, that's that's a defense that. That it's tough to get the get yards through the air, and we saw it with Rodgers. He had a couple big plays, still wasn't enough. He threw for over 300 yards, 20 points. Do you see Kansas City? If 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 Mahomes is is putting up 350 yards, do you see them getting more than 23 points? I don't. Not the way our defense is built. And so I just I can't help but think about it and go, you know, I just don't think Kansas City can stop him because. Uh, going back to that second touchdown run that you talked about, Raymond, where we have the we have uh, Debo Samuel leaning around on the fake jet sweep, and and we got Usechek going around, was interesting. I watched that play about six times, and what I noticed was one thing that we heard after the Rams lost to the Patriots in the Super Bowl was, did the Patriots just give everybody a blueprint of how to stop this outside zone based scheme? Because you know, Sean McVay runs it, Kyle Shanahan runs it, Matt LaFleur was going to run it. And they went, they came out in that 6-1. That was all anybody talked about during the offseason was, here the Patriots have given everybody the blueprint to stopping this offense. You know what defense, you know what front the Packers were in on that run, touchdown run? 6-1. They came out in that to try and stop the edge. We left the guy on the edge unblocked. Juszczyk ran around him, and we ran into the end zone. So we have the guy who you can keep trying to mix it up. He's going to continue to be able to beat you. Shanahan put up the second most points in the league this year, more than the Chiefs did. So, you know, Chiefs fans are going to feel right. confident. That's right. They're number three. We're, no, we're the number two offense. They're the number three offense. Yeah. So I'm looking at it going – if our defense holds them to 24 points, we win the game. And and so I cuz we are the more complete team, just complete on every level. And so, you know, while they're scary and they can they got blazing speed, you know, we are going to slow down that speed. They're not going to put up 35 points on us. It's not happening, not with our defense. Not with the guys we have back. So, you know, I feel great this morning. I feel fantastic. I got a shot today, a steroid shot today. So I'm feeling <laughs> great. I'm ready to run through a wall, and I'm feeling Niners all the way. It's It's been a great day. I love it. I love it. Raymond, I called you immediately after the NFC Championship game yesterday, and I had posed a similar question. And your confidence was exactly like Johnny's. You were... You didn't even flinch as you have not flinched this entire postseason. You were like, no, Niners, Niners all day. So expand upon that for the Goldcast Nation. The Goldcast Empire, as Niner by Nature has uh, referred to us because technically having UK fans is bigger than <laughs> than a nation. So 
Raymond, for, for the Goldcast Empire, 49er Faithful, I want to hear, let them know what you said to me and what your thoughts are on this upcoming seventh Super Bowl appearance for the 49ers. God, that feels good to say. Well, I think I think the Chiefs passing attack is probably the best passing attack we'll face all year long. The only thing that came close, as I mentioned earlier, was the Saints. But even then, it's a it's it's quite the different system, and they have different tools over there. Now, I don't think they have as many tools as Kansas City does. Kansas City just has a ton of speed, where our speed is. We have a lot of speed on offense and a lot of speed on defense. Kansas City's speed is mostly resides within the wide receiver group there. In addition to the running back, although Damian Williams is kind of used also as a passing, as a receiver too. He seems to do better there than he does on the ground game, depending on the opponent, of course. But I just don't see this team. I'm just not sure that even though the, it's it's hard to find the words. Even though the the passing attack is the best we're going to probably see all season, you st- I still see the edge that favors the Niners because we're good in all three phases on the defense side. It's not that like we're good at secondary, but we kind of lack a pass rush, or we're good at at secondary and we have one or two guys at the pass rush, but our linebackers are kind of slow and it's a it's a mismatch. It's like no, it's actually a pretty good matchup. The only one who I think is really difficult because he's like a Michael Thomas or a Julio Jones or those guys is Tariq Hill. Tariq Hill is one of those guys that's almost, you know, as they say in basketball, unguardable. It's really, he's almost, or I would guess he would say uncoverable in the NFL. He's, He's really that good. But he is susceptible to mistakes. This Chiefs team is very undisciplined. They make up, they give up a lot of penalties. They gave up a ton of offsides and encroachments in that game. They were gifts that Tennessee just could not take advantage of. If you do that kind of stuff to a Kyle Shanahan offense, he will take it to the house. I guarantee you he will. And again, so conversely, that was what where I think the Chiefs offense stacks up against us without getting into too much without before getting to our preview episode where we're going to get into the meat and potatoes about it. But conversely, our offense, again, this is like each team we've played with the exception of probably Minnesota, I think, was probably the most well-balanced defense out of the, the, three, the three groups that we're going to face here. And even then, we dominated them on the ground. So the, the Chiefs are going to have to stop our run and be one-dimensional. But even if it comes to that, let's say, hypothetically speaking, that they slow down the run game. We've seen what the Niners can do. It's not like the Niners haven't been tested in every single phase. They've been tested every single phase. And we can actually look back to this. The Saints game is the most shining example, but there are numerous examples. That's not the only one. That just happens to be the best one where Jimmy has to air it out more often than not because of the way the score is going or because the running game has been taken away from us and we have to rely more on the passing game. Kyle Shanahan has plays specifically designed when to, to run when we're in those positions. And we have answered the call for the most part in every scenario. We We're like, we're three plays away from winning, winning the three games that we lost this season. They're really the this team does not make a lot of mistakes. They're well coached. They're well disciplined. They're extremely sound on both sides of the football. And this is just another one of those matchups that I just 
you know, the, the offense kind of looks a little scary. I get that, especially when they put up a 50 burger the week before and they, you know, they put up, thir- what was it, 35, 34, the, the, uh, yeah, 35 points the week before that. But I mean, look at the opponents, Tennessee, Houston, teams that are horrible defenses, teams that have to win by shootouts or by grinding out, grinding out the ground and pound game with Derrick Henry in Tennessee. These are teams, these are not strong opponents. I mean, when they come into that Super Bowl, it's going to be a completely different look for that offense that they're going to be going up against. And conversely, that defense is going to see the most sophisticated offense in the NFL. And that's, you've got to feel good about that. There's just so much happening there, even for an Andy Reid. Andy Reid, remember, Andy Reid's defensive coordinator is uh, Steve Spagnuolo, the former head coach of the Miami Dolphins. I think it was, he was tight ends uh, before that or, or after or between that before going back to coordinator. I can't remember. But he's a pretty good coach, and he got them playing well. But this is still an undisciplined and inconsistent group that has a lot of holes, holes that Kyle Shanahan is going to study, learn. The, the, the worst thing that you can do in a super, based on the way the Super Bowl is structured is you have two weeks to prepare. So now not only do you have the best play caller coming into the game in two weeks' time, but you're giving him an extra week to prepare on all that. So it's not a short turnaround like a Thursday night game or if we play on Sunday, we got to come back for a Monday or something like that. Or uh, or we, we play on a Thursday. You know, it's it's not a short turnaround game. This is, this is everyone, both teams get the same amount of time to prepare. And you're giving the best play caller in the game extra time to find out what your weaknesses are and how he's going to exploit the crap out of it. That's just, you got to feel good about that. Andy Reid, Look, Andy Reid is coaching his best football right now because he has a quarterback. He has the best quarterback that he's ever been paired with. I'd say that the next runner-up to that was Donovan McNabb because that was the last time he got to a Super Bowl. And Donovan McNabb was very good, but Patrick Mahomes is on a whole nother level. He allows Andy Reid to not feel that he has to play conservative. Andy Reid just keeps his foot on the gas. That's just what we've seen. And, you know, but, but that gas pedal, that gas pedal is going to come on to some, some pretty slick road, you know, in a couple weeks. And I think if you're a Niners fan, you've got to feel pretty good about the chances, especially when you look at the matchups, the matchups just, they don't look good. They don't look good. I, I feel like we've got the edge in the trenches and we've got the edge in almost every other category. It's, it, it almost looks the same as every other opponent we've played thus far. I love it. I love it. It, um, Yeah. I I was very nervous yesterday, but it was kind of you know it was uh, recency bias. And I woke up today, and the same, everything you guys are saying and echoing, I feel the same way. It's all relative, right? Because you're seeing them, you're seeing Mahomes and them go off on these teams, and they're they're making it look easy, and they're putting up points within minutes, you know. Uh, and I get that, but cons- it's it's all it's relative though too. We gotta consider the opponent and who what what the difference is between them. And what they're going to get out of us. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, it feels like the... Does it, it also scare like you the, because of the of how we played against mobile quarterbacks this yes, year? Yes, definitely. That was also a little nerve-wracking too, for sure. See, I, I actually did some interesting research earlier today. I was looking into that and because I think that's been the, the uh, kind of prevailing thought in our minds. You know, we, we played all these mobile quarterbacks and we struggled at times in those games. And man, it was, and here comes this other guy who is like the king of the mobile quarterbacks, right? Because he's running around and dropping 50-yard bombs. It was interesting because, you know, week eight or after week eight was when we started seeing the mobile quarterbacks, right? 
And it was in that game. The first one was Kyler Murray against Arizona. And D Ford and uh, Quan Alexander both went out in that game. And so from there, we played five mobile quarterbacks. Or, well, three, but we played two of them twice. We gave up an average of 23.2 points per game to mobile quarterbacks, which was much higher than our season average. But what's interesting, during that same stretch to non-mobile quarterbacks, we gave up 28.5 points per game. So we actually played better during the same stretch of weeks against mobile quarterbacks than we did non-mobile quarterbacks. Because our, it looked it looked worse than it was because our defense was so hurt. They're not hurt now, and they're and so I I, I was I was the same thing. I thought, man, mobile quarterback again. This has been kind of our Achilles heel. And then I looked at it and said, nah, it was actually injuries more than anything. And so I, it was one of those things that I said this morning. I do not fear them. I'm not worried about it. That's actually excellent research. I love that. I love hearing that. And Goldcast definitely needs to hear that yeah i mean having said that in the rain with with, we we held the baltimore ravens only three points in the second half of the game three points and and patrick mahomes is not he's more like a he's not the same he's obviously not the same runner in, in lamar jackson where it's scripted it's part of the offense he's more like a russell wilson type where it's a it's a last line of defense decision yes absolutely um, yeah, so I'm with you guys. So Goldcast Nation, let us know in the comments at youtube.com slash the Goldcast and let us know what your thoughts were on this game. How did you feel? How did you celebrate? What do you think about the incoming Chiefs? We have got lots and lots to talk about in the next couple of weeks. We're going to have a lot of special guests, uh, fr- friends of the shows. Co-guests co, co that you've heard before. Of course, our third co-host, Candlestick, will will be back. We have some MLB controversy to discuss. And those whiny L.A. Dodgers literally talking <laughs> about wanting to get the World Series back. I go, no, 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 no. You stranded 13 guys on base in Game 7. That is your fault. Do not for one moment blame the 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 Houston Astros for you being a crappy baseball team. And Clayton Kershaw also Clayton Kershaw also saying, well, you know, what about Clayton Kershaw? You know, his legacy. This guy coughs up every single postseason. That was true before the Astros and true after the Astros. You guys have no leg to stand on. That's Shame like blaming on- the Patriots when uh, you give up 280 yards rushing by deflated footballs. Exactly. 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 So yeah, we've got some MLB controversy. So disappointed in the Astros. So disappointed in AJ Hinch, former A. It's just, it's just, it's bad. I and I have a soft spot for the Astros. I think I was a big fan of the Killer Bees back in the '90s with uh, Craig Biggio and Jeff Bagwell and Lance Berkman. Yeah, it is a bummer. Uh, Jose Altuve, I love him because I'm like the guy looks like he could be like our cousin. I'm not that much taller than him, and I love nothing makes me happier than little Latino baseball players. Like my favorite dudes. I'm like, yes, yes, one of our boys is out there, and uh, so that that was that's kind of a bummer. It is the whole thing's a bummer in general, but uh, yeah, we've definitely. I really wanted to, and of course, we have another top eleven podcast coming out. So don't 
you worry. We have so much content coming out in the next couple of weeks here. Johnny, thank you so much for coming back onto the show. We we discussed it from the beginning. We we you were the one host. We just and also just in general, we appreciate you hanging out with us all season um, and and giving us uh, your time. And it's been great. Uh, we feel like our channel's grown because of you, and hopefully your channel has grown because of us. And I just think that it's been a wonderful partnership, and I really look forward to talking to you again in the future very soon. Hey, thank you guys so much for having me on. It's been a wonderful experience. It's been great listening to you guys and following you guys all season. You guys are just killing it, doing a great job. And, uh, and yes, it's just great talking football with some great football awesome. guys. Awesome. Thank you very much. Uh, Raymond, any final thoughts? Just thank you for answering the invitation, Johnny Dells. I know we <laughs> talked about getting you on, and so I'm glad we were able to get you on all, you know, maladies and everything. You know, I'm glad you made the time. That's part of the Niner way. You know, you, you fight through injury. You, 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 you battle through it. So you, 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 <laughs> you were able to do that and show up on the show. So I'm happy about that because I definitely wanted to get some of our fans of the show in the mix here between now and Super Bowl uh, Sunday because – I think a lot of people have a lot to say about sports and football in general. So, but I'm happy that you were the first guest on the show because there's been, you know, I think out of everyone that we've watched and that we listened to, I think you're definitely our favorite person that we like to bring on the show and break down a sports, not only because you're so good at it and you understand it so well, but also because you happen to be a 49er fan. So who better to break tape with than a fellow fan? So thanks again for coming on the show. We appreciate it. And we look forward to seeing you again real soon. Awesome. 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 Yeah. Wonderful. Great, great show. If you haven't gone on to youtube.com slash the gold cast, you should subscribe to us and then you should hop over to Johnny Dell's football academy why don't you give the Goldcast nation for those that aren't subscribed to your channel just a breakdown of what you do and what makes your channel so unique because you definitely have a channel you're the only guy i know that does it the way you do it so why don't you let the people know what you do so i look to do weekly reviews and preview videos i didn't get to a preview video this last week because i got really sick and uh, with the crud as we say in the south um my southern's coming out a little bit um but uh I, I do reviews of the game, and I try and, and fill in the story of the game. Why did the game turn out the way it, it did? So whatever was a common theme or what you know, some of the big plays or if something happened over and over and over again that you can point to and say this is why we were successful, this is why we weren't successful or you know, uh, what makes Jimmy G special as a quarterback, That why I like him, why I'm so high on the guy, why I think – that the media is is just obtuse and ignorant about because they're not watching his film. They don't understand the intricacies of what he's being asked to do, uh, that kind of stuff, um, and just walking people through the plays and, and offensive concepts versus defensive concepts and the X's and O's and the chess game of football because football is so much a chess game, and it's just fascinating to see how it, all the moving pieces come together for success or failure on either side of the ball. I love it. Yeah, so definitely check out Johnny Dell's Football Academy. Really dope, and it's always focused on the Niners, which makes it even better. So you subscribe to the Goldcast, you subscribe to Johnny Dell's Football Academy, and you, that is definitely one of the one-two punches out there uh, if, as far as your 49ers content. But we have 
a wonderful two weeks. Hey, 49er faithful, enjoy and soak this up. Watch that NFC Championship three more times. Watch the NFL highlight reel on YouTube, the 10-minute condensed version. I've watched that three or four times already. Read, watch all the post-game press conferences. Absorb it. I love to just sit and just watch all this stuff over and over because I just never know when it's going to happen again. And so this is it. This is also our 10th championship appearance for the San Francisco Bay Area in the last 10 years. Three, uh, three, three World Series, all won by the Giants. Five NBA Finals, three won by the Golden State Warriors. And now our second Super Bowl. Ten championships in 10 years, all three major sports. If you count hockey, and I have nothing against hockey, I just don't watch hockey. The San Jose Sharks also had a Stanley Cup that would make it 11, you know, so I, I don't watch hockey, so nothing against it. I don't watch hockey, but uh, that's 11 if you're a hockey fan, but if you're a fan of the, of the big three, which most of you are, that is 10 championships in 10 years. Enjoy it. Soak it up because when it's gone, oh, it's going to be mother effing gone and we are going to hate ourselves. So so soak this up while it's here and uh, just enjoy the next two weeks. And we got a lot of content coming your way. So stay tuned. We're very excited. Uh, feels great, baby. So concludes another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the Voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa Third, And with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa First, baby. And our esteemed guest co-host, Johnny Dell. Yeah, boom. We'll see you next time. Same Goldcast time, same Goldcast channel. This is, is the Goldcast.